0: Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine. Welcome to the second hour. The United States Supreme Court is going to have a hearing this week on whether or not to undo the Affordable Care Act. Now, you may think they've had a hearing on this before. You may think this is deja vu. Like uh, the attempt by Republicans to shut down the government, some stories just keep coming around again and again and again. And this one does, too. But it's different from the first challenge. The first challenge questioned the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. The the argument was that uh, Congress had no right under the Interstate Commerce Clause, for example, to regulate interstate commerce. The argument was that health insurance is not interstate commerce that the fact that pills and doctors and facilities and so forth go from state to state, that somehow was not interstate or somehow not commerce. Health insurance was not commerce. Kind of hard to do given that Justice Scalia had famously said that growing marijuana in your own home and not selling it is commerce. So so let's, let's, let's make sure we understand this here. Because the Supreme Court did rule that health insurance market was not interstate commerce. Just so I will be very, very clear on this. If you grow marijuana in your own home and don't sell it, commerce being a fancy word meaning the buying and selling of things, and interstate being a uh, not-so-fancy word meaning traveling from state to state, if you go in your own home and don't move anywhere and certainly don't cross state boundaries and grow marijuana there and you don't sell it, Justice Scalia and the majority of the Supreme Court, the five conservatives, said that is interstate commerce because the fact that you, Scalia argued, because the fact that you grew it yourself means that you weren't going to buy it on the pre-existing interstate marijuana market. Okay? So that is interstate commerce. However, the sixth largest, uh, excuse me, the largest part of our economy, it actually is one-sixth of our economy, one-sixth of all transactions, all um, GDP, all money spent in the United States is on health care. And even though the health insurance companies have are, are in every state and, and the pills and, and medical facilities and the, the, the medical uh, devices travel from state to state in this perhaps the largest bit of commerce uh, ever – The Supreme Court said, nope, it's not commerce, it's not interstate, don't ask us why, Uh, we're not going to talk about it. It's actually very convoluted in the opinion. But they said it was constitutional under the tax clause. See, uh, under Article 1, Section 8, the Affordable Care Act can be constitutional on any number of clauses. One is interstate commerce, the other is uh, tax and spend. Uh, the other, by the, there are two others. Uh, one would be for the general welfare, which I think it clearly is, and the other is uh, anything that's necessary and proper to, to put anything else in you want, which is sort of an all-purpose uh, clause that carries in a lot of stuff. Anyway, they they wanted to make it a tax rather than interstate commerce because they wanted to be able to let states refuse to let poor people get this program. Again. Convoluted reasoning makes absolutely no logical sense, but this is, remember, the same Supreme Court that decided that George Bush would be president even though Al Gore got the most votes. So logic is not their strong suit. As I said, Scalia arguing that marijuana in your own home is interstate commerce, uh, but, but health care that's one sixth of the nation's economy is not, again, shows that logic is not Scalia's strong suit. Really, I think Scalia should just write his opinions and say, you know what? I hate Obamacare. Therefore, it's unconstitutional. It would be honest. It would be real. We would all know where he's coming from, and he wouldn't be trying to pretend that there's some logical or legal basis to what he decides. (laughs) And the music would play. Uh, But in any case, um, that is not the issue that's coming before the Supreme Court now. Uh, The Supreme Court is actually addressing a typo, a typographical error in the legislation in the Affordable Care Act, in Obamacare. You see, in this 953-page legislation, carefully crafted uh, because the Republicans filibustered it and refused to work on a compromise uh, because they just wanted to defeat it, so they had to get all 60 Democrats on board, including a famously conservative Senator Ben Nelson of Nebraska. Uh, They crafted this together. They threw it all together. And in virtually all provisions of, of the bill... They said that these exchanges, these affordable care exchanges, uh, could be established by the state. And if they weren't established by the state, the federal government would step in and provide various subsidies. And that's why even if uh, Kansas or Florida or a conservative state decides not to implement this bill, uh, it still can be implemented because of federal exchanges come in it's a it's basically saying to the states hey if you don't do it we will we'd love for you to do it but if you don't do it we will in this one section one sentence of this 953 page bill they didn't mention the federal exchanges they just said exchanges established by the state some poor staffer working late at night at 3 a.m. forgot to include and federal in that one sentence of a 953 page bill now when there's a typo in a bill The way courts are supposed to look at it is they look at the entirety of the legislation, and they realize exactly what the legislation is intended to do, and if it doesn't include something in the legislation, uh, it's usually understood to be written in. I'll give you a clear example. If you have legislation that applies to the 50 states and the District of Columbia – which, of course, is not a state, but it's very much part of the United States. I'm sitting there now, and I'm not outside the U.S., trust me. Uh, So Washington, D.C. is not in any state, but, of course, it is the capital. It's very much part of the United States. And there's lots of legislation that refers to the 50 states and D.C. But let's say you've got a 900-page bill, and 800 times it says the 50 states and D.C., and one time it says the 50 states. A court should look at that bill and say, you know what? Congress meant to include D.C. Just because they didn't include it this one time doesn't mean that it isn't right there because uh, it's in all these other places. And and there's no legislative history to suggest that D.C. was meant to be excluded in this one instance. So it's obviously there. It's kind of like if you read uh, a document all about you and they spell your name right a 100 times and they spell it wrong once, it doesn't mean they're referring to someone else. It means that somebody hit the wrong typewriter key in any case that's the typo but the conservatives are looking to use this typo to undermine the Affordable Care Act when even they couldn't do so in a direct attack uh, under the Constitution so there it's going all the way up to the Supreme Court we're going to hear oral argument next week frankly I find that shocking it seems to me that the court should summarily reverse and say hey a typo is a typo it's quite obvious what they intended but what's fascinating is what would happen if the Supreme Court actually overturns the Affordable Care Act. Millions of Americans would suddenly lose their subsidies for health insurance. Millions of Americans would owe thousands and tens of thousands of dollars more instantly. And Republicans are starting to get nervous if they actually got what they want. They said they wanted to repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Okay, this would largely repeal a good part of the Affordable Care Act, and they're scrambling. Because what they know is that for all the rhetoric about government, for all the rhetoric about hating and repealing Obamacare, this is something that allows tens of millions of Americans to have health insurance and to be protected against some kinds of, you know, some deadly diseases. And without it, people are going to go back without health care. That can't be good for Republicans in 2016. So, interestingly, some Republicans are hoping the Supreme Court finds another way to avoid answering the question. I'll give you that way when we come back. If you want to call in and give me your two cents on this, feel free to do so. The toll free number is 888 653 7543. This is Mark Levine. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Levine. The United States Supreme Court is going to have a second chance to overturn the Affordable Care Act. I think they'll blink. I don't think they'll do it. Now, Scalia, I'm sure will do it. Scalia has never much cared for logical consistency, as I've pointed out, uh, based on his view of the marijuana case. uh, And and frankly, the fact that he and others chose Bush to be president, even though uh, Gore had the most votes. And they did so by refusing to count the votes. So, yeah, I I don't have much respect for, for Justice Scalia. I do think, though, that Chief Justice Roberts does not want the legacy of his court to be. That based on a typographical error, a bill that took a couple years to get through Congress and was very hard fought and was in many ways a president's signature bill will be struck down on a typo. Now, it is true that if you strike down a law based on a typographical error rather than based on constitutionality, it is, quote, easy, unquote, to fix. And the reason I put easy in quotes is because, of course, it's not easy at all. You've got to pass both houses of Congress and be signed by the president. Now, clearly Obama would sign it, but Congress is very different from how it was in 2010 when the Affordable Care Act first passed Congress. Uh, Congress is firmly in the hands of the Republican Party. No question they would not repass the Affordable Care Act. So, in essence, even though a hypographical error can be fixed, unlike a striking down of a bill based on constitutionality, uh, the fix is not easy when the composition of the Congress has changed. So in effect they would be striking down these federal exchanges. But something interesting might happen if it were struck down, and that is that states could still do these exchanges. And so in these Republican states, these red states, the same ones that have been blaming Obama all this time, you might have the case where the people in these states, rise up and say, hey, we don't want to lose our health care. And so in some very conservative states, you know, whether it be Nebraska or South Carolina or Alabama, you, you name it, you th- when you think of your, your favorite red state, Idaho, Utah, that in these states, the people might just say, we don't want to lose our health care, and might rise up and challenge their Republican members in the state legislature to set up an exchange, challenge their governors to provide it. And if they don't, we might see some red states turning blue. So what's fascinating to me is that the political consequences, as devastating as it would be for millions of Americans to lose their health care based on the Supreme Court and the Republicans fighting for a typographical error, it seems to me the political consequences to the Republicans of this could be quite real. So depending on how you look at it, it's a lose-lose or a win-win. You could say either the people lose or the Democrats lose an issue for the fall, or you could look at it as a win-win. Either the people get to keep their health care, that's a win, or at the very least, Democrats have a strong issue going into 2016. But some Republicans, therefore, and some Democrats are suggesting that the Supreme Court might find a way out of this issue. And they're doing so through the obscure legal doctrine called standing. Basically, you can't sue for something unless you've been personally harmed. All right. I may not like that uh, person A uh, hit person B, but if I wasn't person B, I can't do really anything about it, other than maybe report it to the police. Uh, if I wasn't damaged, then I can't complain. And it looks like it, that very few, uh, virtually no one, has been damaged by these federal exchanges. Uh, they've been set up, they've helped millions of Americans get cheaper health care, and the four people who sued really, they'd have a hard time complaining. They say they're complaining because they were forced to buy health insurance or buy a pe- pay a penalty. But that affects very few Americans. Two of the people who sued are Vietnam veterans. Well, they're already covered under the VA. Uh, one woman, we're not quite sure where she lives or what her economic circumstances are. And a fourth plaintiff may actually qualify for an income exemption under the health care law. So the irony is the Republicans have always been looking for someone who is actually harmed and they've had a difficult time finding someone. Now, this is actually a minor issue. I do think that they could probably substitute a plaintiff or, uh, you know, if if any of these plaintiffs, the people who sue, find an injury, they can do so. But what's fascinating to me is that there are many Republicans, I think, who fear actually the Supreme Court striking down the Affordable Care Act, kind of like the dog that chases the car and doesn't know what to do when he catches it. He loves to chase the car, he barks, he complains, and that car is always just out of reach. But the car stops, and the dog doesn't know what to do. Does he bite the tires? What does he do? He caught the car! Now what? If the Supreme Court rules that millions of Americans lose their health care based on a typographical error, who do you think Americans will be more mad at? I think they'll be more mad at the Republicans. And many Republicans agree. So the politics are interesting as well as the law. As far as the law is concerned, the Supreme Court absolutely should uphold the Affordable Care Act rather than strike it down based on a typo. But in terms of the politics, there's a strong argument for that too. I would argue it's the same problem with shutting down the power of Homeland Security. Republicans think, or at least in their right-wing districts, that they've gerrymandered in state after state. They think that they can win more by appealing to the nativist element of America, by appealing to those Americans who do not want immigrants, people who are anti-Latino or who are afraid of multiculturalism. Kind of ironic, given that this country (laughs) is the most multicultural, most diverse, most immigrant uh, ancestral country on earth. I mean, virtually all of us are descendants of people who came from other continents, or at least outside of what is today the United States, to be here. And the vast majority of Americans, and this isn't just Democrats, it's independents and a a large group of Republicans, believe that Mexican-Americans are just as hardworking, just as able and deserving of living the American dream, as every other generation of Americans that came to our shores. There's a lot of sympathy for President Obama's executive order. And for the Republicans to shut down a branch of government, in this case an important branch of government, the Department of Homeland Security, in order to keep what? Keep undocumented immigrants afraid? Republicans aren't arguing, most of them, for mass deportation. They aren't arguing to make them citizens. They're not arguing for anything. They have no solution. They are the party of no. They're the dog that barks at the car. But when the car stops... They don't know what to do with it. It's one thing to complain, Obama this, Obama that. Thanks, Obama. We've heard it all before. But can a party of no actually govern? What is the Republican immigration plan? We don't know. The Senate passed one a long time ago. The House refuses to take it up. What is the Republican health care plan? No one knows. A few have been touted. They never seem to get anywhere. The Republican Party is the party of no. And i got to tell you something. There's something very... Satisfying about being able to say no. I can't tell you how many times someone will call in, challenge me with a question, say, Mark, this is bad about the Democrats, and this is bad about Obama, and this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And I say, all right, some of your critiques are fair. What is your alternative? And I get silence. Let me suggest to you, in your life in general, don't complain about the way something is unless you have an alternative solution, a better way to do it. It might just be that the thing that's bad is actually the least bad of all possible options.